Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Joining us as he does every Tuesday, it is Robbie Triano. Not many takes today. Well, there'll be some takes, but more just kind of covering the news in the Big 12. There's a lot. Max Duggan is a Heisman finalist. We got some awesome television ratings, the Big 12 Championship Game, Spencer Sanders in the transfer portal, and a little bit of more, a little bit more appreciation for Robbie's Wildcats of K-State, your Big 12 champions. All that's coming up on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Robbie Triano is here. Before we get to the stuff uh, we're going to talk about today, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. You guys can do that. Then like the videos, leave comments as well. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at LO Big 12 for the show at Josh Neighbors underscore individually. All right, Robbie, we're going to start with Max Duggan, but we just got the ratings this morning for the Big 12 championship game. And boy, were they good. The Big 12 did a really good job. They were over 9 million viewers for the Big 12 championship game. It was third in terms of viewership. Um, and also it was in the noon window, so it actually was not the primetime window. So comparatively speaking, did a great job. But they had 9.4 million. Uh, Purdue and Michigan was basically at 10.7 at 8 o'clock. And then 10.89, so basically 10.9 for LSU and Georgia on CBS. They did better than much better than the Pac-12, a lot better than the ACC, and better than the AAC and Mountain West as well. But this conference continues to do very well on television. Obviously, it was the most compelling conference championship game of the weekend. Um, and I know it's a Big 12 show. We want to be positive, but this is not positivity for the sake of positivity. We talked about this league in relation to other leagues, that we were scared this thing would go away, all of that stuff. Third highest ranked conference championship game, over nine million, nearly 9.5 million viewers that's big stuff. That's really big stuff for the Big 12. Yeah. Um, I was told that we couldn't do this without Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, did anyone want to clarify? No, I mean, like, the fact that a program like Kansas State and yeah. TCU historically not been there. And honestly, just like when it comes to alumni bases, compared to these other schools, like, this is amazing. I think there's a couple key factors that help the Big 12. One – I'm not going to ignore it, but like USA, uh, USA soccer right before this, like you, as soon as this game ends, TCU, Kansas state starts. Like I was at a bar watching the Kansas state game. A lot of people stayed to watch that game. Like, and I'm sure if this is not the only thing that happens, but number two, like just talking about TCU, it's like the best human interest story right now. This team that was bad last year, new head coach, this quarterback who, wasn't even the starter, is now in the championship game. And, oh, yeah, their fate could decide if Ohio State is in. Obviously, USC losing kind of cemented that. But, like, there were so many factors in this game. And then you play Kansas State. And I thought the Big 12 did an excellent job marketing this game. Like, you get – like, even to the most common person, if you find out Ashanti is doing – yeah, like, like, to me and to any other college football fan, it's like, I don't really care. But to someone else, it's like, oh, I would want to tune in to see that in the beginning. Or you see these, like, like DJ Khaled is doing a, a promo or Fat right. Joe. And it's like, 
you may think like, oh, that's stupid. How much does that really help? You're getting big time people like mentioning the Big 12 Conference. Like, I don't know if that had a direct correlation with the, the ratings at all, but it's just like you are having the promotion side there. Like, this is something I think the league has lacked. Younger, hipper, cooler. I think this, this statement or this game kind of was them showing what they can do with that. But also, it's just like really good football, really good mm-hmm. entertaining football pays off. And I think we can agree that before this game, we thought this was going to be the best conference title game uh, because it's of two teams that we thought were very close. This league is awesome. And yeah, Paul Feinbaum, I want you to put that in your pipe and smoke it because people did, in fact, watch the Big 12 title game. Right. And I think obviously the playoff implications were a a big factor. You know, uh, people wanted to see what would happen uh, you know, TCU on that front and obviously a compelling game. And I think you're right about the U S men's national team playing before, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of all that together, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that alumni base for TCU is not big, right? Like it, I think I was talking to Steven Simcox locked on Horn Frogs host. I think he said there's less than a, and I believe it's what he said, less than a hundred thousand living alumni, I think is what he said. Um, it's not, it's not a lot, man. I mean, like, think about like, you think about a school bringing in like with UCF. I mean, I think UCF claims it's like, you know, it's like well over three times that is, I think, the number of yeah. alumni. And if, if we were to look at Michigan, Michigan is number three in the country, 575,000 living alumni, University of Michigan. That was the second greatest game, and TCU was behind it by about a million. Right. It's That's huge. Yeah, good. it's huge. And, and, and I thought, um, on television too, like it looked like an amazing atmosphere. That's one of the things I noticed too, Robbie, was how good the atmosphere looked. I mean, it looked like that place was, you know, was was pretty full. Now you couldn't tell who was too because it's all purple, but yeah, the atmosphere looked fantastic. And I mean, I, I think you're, you're we're kind of hitting on all this stuff. Um, and a, let's go to a guy who played in the game, right? Max Duggan's a Heisman finalist, and um, this was expected, I think, but. I mean, excuse me, this announcement, considering where we were in the season was expected. Obviously, this was unexpected from where we were to start the season. But, um, you know, there there is I, I think oftentimes like Max has been used as kind of this example of like, stick it out, stay where you are, do that kind of stuff. I, I don't I don't like that at all. Um, I think this is a guy that just a lot of confidence in who he is as a player. A lot of confidence in what he's been through, what he experienced. Probably not, you know, once Chandler Morris got the job, didn't want to leave because he's been there for so long. And, um, you know, just old enough and mature enough to seize an opportunity. And I'll tell you what, like, the play and stuff was unbelievable. I was just watching him on the field on Saturday. That's 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 the best game I think I've seen. The pick was awful. I mean, he almost threw two of them. But, like, Correct. What he was doing on his own, especially in that last drive, my God, like that's like the best I've seen him play that, you know, the, and that, and plus the end of the Baylor drive, just as like this guy who is like, I am singularly going to do whatever it takes. And then afterwards kind of solidified it for me. I know we don't win Heisman's for what you do off the field, but like if anybody wanted to talk about what you want your most outstanding player in college football to be about, um, there were kind of the two examples we talked about yesterday on Big 12 today, but like the guy who wrote F Utah on his fingers, uh, you know, that was one vibe. I actually like that. I think it's like, I like that confidence, like that swagger, whatever. 
Uh, and there's the guy, you know, and people kind of think he's Hollywood. I, I, I see it differently, but I think it's the national perception. That's what matters. This award. And then you see Max, like after the game, just in tears being like, I don't care about the CFP. I wanted this so freaking badly and taking accountability for a loss that I mean, partially on him with the pick. Sure. But like he did everything he could to win that game and saying, we, I just did, I didn't make enough plays in the end to win. And just in tears kind of embodies what you like you want your most you know that's old school like in the nil era Mm -hmm. that's what we want our most outstanding player in college football to embody and i just love him i just love max duggan so much i'm gonna miss him when he's gone yeah i agree and it's interesting because if you look at like the statistics max duggan should not be in the big 12 title game if you take away tcu is in the college football playoff and had this amazing season right now he's 16th in passing yards okay Right now, he's also in touchdowns. He has 30, and he's 12th in the, in the entire nation. Mm-hmm. So, like, stats-wise, should not necessarily be there. But what he embodies is what the Heisman Trophy should be. If the game is on the line and this person has the ball, can they win you the game? In the most important moments, can they step up? Max Duggan did that. Like, I felt like like what you said in the Baylor game and in the Kansas State game, like he stepped up in the moments that he needed to. And if you take Max Duggan away from TCU, I still think they're going to be successful. Are they college football playoffs successful? Hell no. There's no way that I, I see that. So Max Duggan to me, like is not the stat winner, but is more of like what the award embodies as a whole. And I saw a lot of people talking about how this is a down year for the Heisman. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's not a clear Joe Burrow or Cam Newton or any type of player. But, like, people are like, oh, why should this person get it? Why is this person? Like, are these people watching college football? Like, if you watch Max Duggan in any any of these important moments, you would say, oh, I get why he is on that stage. If you watch Caleb Williams just in general, he is excellent. Like, he is just an awesome player to watch. No one would be critiquing this at all. So everyone's saying, oh, down here for the Heisman. I get it. It's not the clear number one. But that doesn't mean we should under like undervalue what is currently happening with the top players in college football. And Max Duggan is an, like a direct example. Like stats aren't there, but you need to watch to acknowledge him. And I hope that the Heisman voters, which there are so many people out there that do not deserve a Heisman vote. Like Good. At all. That's in Bennett, man. Being a finalist. Like we turned this into a lifetime achievement. Cause here's the thing. He lit up LSU last week. Sure. But there were some, I mean, that Missouri game he played this year was, he was horrible. He was horrible yeah. for like 90% of the game. And, and the Kentucky game wasn't pretty. And look, I thought against Tennessee played really, really well, but you're telling me Hen Hooker didn't, be- didn't belong there. Doesn't deserve to be there. And I think part of this too, is like, like you mentioned, like some of the, I think the teams are worse this year. Like Georgia's not as good as they were last year. Alabama's not as good as they were last year, right? So like Bryce Young's cast kickers isn't as good. Ohio State is not as good as last year. And I think CJ Stroud's stats reflect that, right? I mean, Garrett Wilson obviously leaves. Chris Olave leaves, right? And Jackson Smith and Jigba barely played this year. Now, look, they've got really good wide receivers, Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Sure, tons of guys. But like, that's not the loaded guys they had, they had all had last year, right? So I, I think that's impacting in here too. But like, I mean, in terms of like, you know, watching these guys and how good they are. Yeah. I think it's sad that the guys in the Heisman, like didn't, you know, think about three of the guys that are in the Heisman, three of them lost their last game, Doug and Williams and, and Stroud all lost their last games. And so it wasn't like this stamp on it, but Williams was hurt. 
they took the ball out of Duggan's hands and Stroud's team didn't play very well. So it wasn't that kind of capstone moment I think we were waiting for, but still like it's, it was a compelling, exciting competition. And I think Max, if they had win that, if they had won that game, Robbie, I think Max might be the Heisman Trophy winner. And I'm not saying he should be. I think if they win that game, he is because of like the, and that would be a moment if he did win that, like if he won the Heisman based off that, that would be a moment like years back, we would have looked back and be like, why did he win the stats were this off? But it's more of like, you had to have been there. Been there, right. To have like understood that. Yeah. I mean, just oh. him collapsing on the field was like, you know, it was like watching a, a movie, right? We were watching a, like a movie take place with this guy. With, I mean, he's bleeding out of his, uh, he's bleeding both out of his elbow and his knee it appeared also. And mm. like, he was just battered and um people forget at that point of the game too like i thought it was pretty certain kansas state was gonna win and tcu just kept climbing back to the point where i was like oh no yeah. like this is gonna be over for the wildcats right and, and then you had the drive, did that. i mean they're they're at midfield right on last k-state drive and i was like they're gonna go down the, wow they're, they're gonna get this thing done they're gonna score and then tcu gets a ball back and i'm like well they gotta they gotta let max recharge the battery here before overtime but i mean I like my chances with TCU and obviously the fourth down stuff at third and fourth down stuff happens a weird spot, whatever. And Kansas state wins the game. But like, yeah, man, I mean, it was, it was like, Oh my God, they're going to give this guy the ball back. And he looks like he's, you know, Superman right now. Um, But deserving, deserving. And it's, you know, what a talk about Stetson Bennett story being amazing, whatever. But like in terms of a single season story, um, Max Duggan, you know, just I think a lot of yes, a lot of this is like the bonds he's forged, his teammates. Like he's been around Kendra, he's been around Quentin Johnson, he's been around Darius Davis and Tay Barber. Like those guys trust him because he's been around them for so long and he's grown and gotten better alongside with them. And so I yeah. I think you know this is one of those where like it's 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 cool to see a group be elevated to this to this stage, I think is kind of cool. And like Max, obviously somebody who mentioned the group when you if you watch the phone call he had where you got the Johnny Nias award, like he said, like this is great for everybody. You know, he made a really a point of right. not saying like, you know, it's great. Everybody's going to celebrate me as in, you know, everybody kind of is a part of this. So he's, he's a dude, man. He's a dude. And he has one more year of eligibility if he wants to come back too. which. Yeah. If I was him, that that's a really tough decision. Um, because right. if he were to go in the NFL draft, like, would he get drafted? Sure. I don't know if it's going to be rounds one to five. Like, I don't know what, what NFL team would, I don't know. He's really intriguing to me. I would fit, put him in like the Sam Ellinger mold of like a quarterback yeah. who can do some things with their arm, but you don't know if you can trust them in a lot of situations. He obviously has I think, a, a bigger arm than Sam Ellinger, uh, but scrambling wise, they can do some things. That's really intriguing. Um, if I was Max Duggan, I, that would I take think a, he stays probably time. one more year. I think he probably stays one more. But now it's interesting because if he's going to lose Quentin Johnson, and I think a lot of his, most of his team is going to be gone. Really, yeah, they're, they're pretty um, old, and they're pretty old team. That'd be weird if Max Duggan entered the portal. I don't see that happening. Like for him, if yeah, I think he would look not. at his situation and be like, I don't know if I can do better, and if I come back, I might hurt my stock even more. I think right. this is the time for him to go. Um, but yeah. you brought up a good point. I want to bring up, and it, it kind of goes off, not off the rails, but like. You said that there's not a clear like team that is like dominated the whole year. Does that mean that there's parity in college football, or does that mean that um, the quality of play isn't as good this year? I think the quality of play is lower. I think I think last year's Michigan team was better than this year's. 
I think last year's Ohio State, excuse me, last year's Ohio State team is better than this year's. I believe last year's Alabama team was better than this year's. And maybe you could say, well, Tennessee kind of replaced Alabama in the aggregate, but not really because they didn't make it all the way. And I know Hooker got hurt, but they got throttled. And I mean, you watch this Georgia team play, like, sure. And I know Keely Ringham in that play, but like people, people don't talk about Keely Ringham the way they talk about like other guys, actually even other like Georgia corners in the past. And the way that we talked about, you know, the guys that played on that defense last year. And so I, to me, it's the overall quality of play. Now, look, has it, has it lent itself to a more entertaining season? Sure. Yeah. And I actually think it's better off this way. I think it's more compelling this Mm -hmm. way, which is like, it's fine. Some years there are a lot more, you know, like the question is, Hey, would last year's Michigan team win the national championship this year? Yeah, I think they would. I think they, you know, they'd be the best team in the country this year. Um, but Robbie, as you're seeing with the spreads, and I think that spread has come down for the TCU game, like the matchups in terms of what Vegas sees, thinks that they're a bit more compelling, which I think is to us should be a bit more, a bit more compelling. So wh- where are you on that? Yeah. Um, in terms of the game, like a lot of people, especially cause I'm a Michigan guy, people are seeing that it's basically a bye week for Michigan, uh, which I don't think necessarily should exist. No. Um, I think CCU can give a fight. I don't know. Like the thing about Michigan is their offensive line is unbelievable. And I don't even know if TCU, like where do they rank and comes to like pass rush in the league? I thought they got to Will Howard actually a good amount uh, in the last game, but like against Michigan, that's going to be a huge issue, but it's like, it's interesting to see that like the quality isn't that good in college football. If, if based on like what we're saying, but like, We've never had more older players in college football because of the COVID eligibility. So it's just like, when exact, like, is this like a bad sign if like even the older players aren't delivering the product that is like necessarily fantastic or what we knew, or maybe it is good. And we're just overreacting because maybe teams are just better than they should be because they are older. Um, I don't know, but uh, yeah. And I mean, these guys will get phased out too, right? So we're going to get the, I mean, you know, Max's first year was 19, right? So 19, 20, 21, 20. So now we're we're finishing up the second season removed from COVID. So I guess that right. means we probably have two to three more years of these guys, right? I mean, that's, you know, unless, yeah. you know. And the thing is, like, some guys, I guess you could be three or four because some guys could have redshirted the year after COVID, right? Because COVID does not really redshirt. So Years 2040, you and I both have three kids and Spencer Sanders is using this COVID. Right. Right, he's using his COVID year, and that's who we get to next. Um, he's entered the portal. It, it's really interesting. Before you and I came on here, I actually saw um, the Athletic had an article, and it was a quote about Sam Hartman, and it's about his status with his bowl, the bowl game against Missouri, and whether Sam Hartman will play, and what his future is for after that. And it sounds like Dave Clawson said, "Well, Sam, you know, um, Sam, you know, is trying to decide what he's going to do. Might go to the NFL." And, um, but if he wants to come back to Wake Forest, obviously he can't. And then also you mentioned, you know, if Sam's going to go make life-changing money somewhere else, like we don't want to stop him from doing that. And this is a guy that had a medical pretty, you know, significant medical scare earlier in the mm-hmm. year, right? Two weeks before the season, I mean, two or three weeks before the season started, um, you know, was, was out. And they said, you know, he was, they weren't sure when he was coming back, whenever that happened. Um, and it made me think about Spencer and, the one thing I think we all feel weird about now is amount of player movement. It's just different. It's new, right? Like you and I don't want to see Oklahoma state lose a guy who was effectively their entire offense this year. But 
this guy is going to have a chance to make a significant amount of money to go play mm-hmm. at a very good school. Going to have a chance, I think, Robbie. I mean, you know, really, you know, really Oklahoma State, like Oklahoma State's a very, very good program. It has been in the past. He was first team all Big 12, and he was the quarterback of a 12 and what was it, 12 and one, 12 and two team last year, whatever it was. Um, he's going to leave, and, and I think he's going to go somewhere else, and he's going to get paid and going to have a chance to win a Heisman Trophy. I think, you know, like we talk about Max Duggan being there this Agreed. year. He is a Spencer Sanders. I'm going to just run this twisted, man. He's a more talented quarterback than Max Duggan is. Like physical traits wise, spinning it wise, like he's got the juice, man. It's just he's gonna have a chance. He's gonna have he's gonna have a chance. And um, wondering how your thoughts are. You know, I'm not mad at them all. And I, I think this says something more about where Oklahoma State is than where Spencer Sanders is. I think you agree with me on that, right? A hundred percent. Like if I was Spencer Sanders and he stayed at Oklahoma State, I would think that was the bad move. He has given everything to Oklahoma State, and they haven't won a Big Twelve title. Okay. Like he tried everything he could. It is not getting better right now. We are seeing the roster turnover that is happening at Oklahoma state. It's actually somewhat alarming because right. we see Mike Gundy and like the people in that program is like they're, they are, they grow within and they're going to be great. You lose your best tackler, Mason Cobb from this year. Honestly, one of the best players in that defense who lost so many pieces, you lose Spencer Sanders. You're losing a bunch of depth that they don't even necessarily have. And, oh, yeah, their offensive line was one of the worst in the entire league. Why would Spencer Sanders want to come back to that? So, for me, like, it is smart for Spencer Sanders to leave and go. I don't see him staying in the Big 12. I would like to see him, like, people are saying Penn State because, obviously, his old OC, Mike Yurisich, is at Penn State. So, that makes a lot of sense if he would want to have someone he's kind of familiar with. But, really, like, I could see him going to, like, a top 25, top 15 program. Like, it, or just like take a shot on someone who is a great offensive mind and go with them. Like, I don't think it's going to happen because I think he wants his son to play. But like, could you imagine like Spencer Sanders with Deion Sanders? Like, that would be kind of sweet. And it, I, I think every team in college football should be interested in Spencer Sanders. And it's interesting because like his measurables, I think he's an NFL quarterback. I didn't think he would go in the transfer portal. I thought he'd go to the NFL because he's like, all right, I put out so much tape. It is good enough to be drafted, and I have the measurables and the athleticism to be in the NFL. Um, injury history-wise, like, yes, he's had some things, but not enough to, like, not get drafted. So I thought he was going to go in there. But now he's like, okay, I am good enough and talented enough for a program that can take care of me a little bit better than Oklahoma yeah. State did. I could be a day-two quarterback. I could be around one through three, round one through four type of quarterback. And he's betting on himself. And I honestly, like, really, I'm happy he did that. I'm happy that he wasn't loyal in this situation. He's given everything he can to Oklahoma State. They've proven that they can't make him a top draft pick, go somewhere else. It's Yeah, I mean, you know, what he's given, I mean, that guy that guy played hurt for a lot of the year. And he emptied, emptied the tank. Up, I mean, you know, like – playing in games where he wasn't, you know, the Iowa state game, right? Like coach, I can give you, you know, I can give you a fourth quarter. Like mm-hmm. who the hell does that? I mean, who the hell is like coach to, like, you know, Hey, I, I can give you, I got something here for you. I can give you something here. N- nobody does that. I've, n- I've never seen that maneuver. They brought it, you know, they Mo Rivera him. Right. I mean, you know, we, we needed the six out say we brought in Spencer Sanders. And I want to, I want to speak to Oklahoma state fans just for a second. Like, you can have your opinions on Spencer Sanders. I like to think that most of them are positive than negative. I think they are. Don't, I think they are. Don't don't treat him like how Adrian Martinez left Nebraska. When he left Nebraska, those Nebraska fans buried him. 
And they made him like they just rad, they just like ripped on him so hard. And like we saw that Adrian Martinez ended up being a good quarterback. And like he he just won a Big 12 title. He didn't win the game, but he was there and he helped lead them to there. If Spencer Sanders leaves your program, love him. Do not say you the reason we suck. Do not get mad at him. And that's why like fans need to understand if someone leaves the portal with some good luck, that you don't have to worry about them anymore. Okay. Unless they just trashed your program on the way out. Like Spencer, OK State fans should love Spencer Sanders forever. And you should not be mad at him for transferring. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, uh, we had Robert Allen on this morning. I was working Big 12 this morning. He said, like, Spencer just loves to play. Spencer really loves to play. And as of, you know, you know, you get to play some, sure. I mean, you know, in training camp, whatever. But like, as opposed to fight, for a job at that level, which he will eventually do. He can go somewhere and flourish and be hopefully the best version of himself. And look like Oklahoma state fans, you can't be mad. He actually gave you what is equivalent to a full college career, right? He gave you four years. He actually gave you a full four years. And it's funny, Robbie, while you and I are you know, speaking of this on this point, we were spent to the best. We'll see where he goes. I know that they got that drew hours kid at Penn state, you know, is he ready to go? What we'll see. Um, I think plenty of good programs will be lining up for Spencer Sanders. Would love to see him at my old monitor, Missouri. I'm not sure if it's a good enough place, but I know they can protect him better than they can protect him better than uh, Oklahoma State did this year. Um, I, I we just got news that JT Daniels is in the portal too, and actually he might end up having two oh, more wow. years of eligibility, which is crazy. Uh, this is a move that felt like it was coming, but we're gonna see we're gonna see more of this, right? It's just kind of the way. Yeah, we have JT Daniels now. We have Donovan Smith in the portal. Um, it yeah. honestly makes sense for JT Daniels just because I think I think West Virginia should move on. I think they should they have quarterbacks in that system, and I think JT Daniels is just limiting them. And yeah, that's uh yeah, it was ended up being that, a bad boy. fit. Yeah, that team needed to run the ball to win games, and they just just wasn't working. It wasn't it wasn't working with JT, uh, which is fine. It's okay, it happens. But the problem is, it's not worked at a bunch of players places now for him, right? And look, we've talked to JT, and I never got the vibe, Robbie, that like he was the problem, right? Like he, you know, maybe he is, I don't know. We don't know him, but totally like, agree. Yeah. Like we, I, you don't get that sense from that kid at all. Arm like, talent wise. I think he's one of the best in the, I thought he was one of the best in the whole league arm talent wise. I think what he can do is special. He was not in a necessarily great situation. Um, he was with yeah. Graham Harrell, but he was with a team that did not have. And that's why, and that's why I, like, I thought it was, a, I didn't ne- like the move, yeah. man. I didn't like, like imagine him at, because Oregon state had to make quarterback switch earlier in the season. I know he was considering Oregon state. That was a better decision. That would have been a better decision than West Virginia. I thought there was too much pressure on that West Virginia job. And it felt like the weapons were, ah, we don't really know here what's happening. So it was a weird choice. Let's talk about a, a team that you are very fond of. Um, the Kansas state wildcats, the deserving champs. You know, just to, um, for it to manifest and for you to see it happen, you know, just talk about that. And I know, I know you you were happy, Ema, the whole group, yeah, you know, everybody was was pumped. But I mean, a deserving team. They got TCU in round two. They beat TCU in round two. You know, it's funny to see TCU talking about them in the in the number three team, the college football playoff. And like every two minutes on Twitter, what I see is another picture that Kansas State football is tweeting from the Big 12 championship game. You know, it's like, oh yeah, TC is not, you know, the Big 12 champions. It's it's K-State. Um, you know, your your thoughts and your, your victory lap on this on this program. It's it's all you. Two for two after Baylor beat Kansas last year. I called it this year after Kansas State beat Texas Tech. 
I called it. I thought in every facet of their game, they had average to above average type of te- like level of play. And I feel like that's what you need. And they have star power throughout their whole team. And then, oh yeah, Will Howard just came out of nowhere to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league and like down the stretch. If he was just like 5% less confident, that team would have floundered. He he did his role to the best of the ability. He is another example. The Big 12 is just full of so many great stories, like with Max Duggan and also with Will Howard. He was bad for two years. Yes. Gained some confidence and then thrust into the fire yet again for the third straight season, thrust into the fire. And this time he actually came out on the other side victorious. I love this team. Uh, it was a lot of fun to cover and watch. And best of all, Deuce freaking Vaughn, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I thought in that game, any run, I thought he was going to get five yards, and he did. Like, he just punished TCU in that game. Yeah. And I, if any, any NFL team, if he does go to the draft, gets him, you're going to be a winner because Deuce Vaughn is just exceptional. Uh, no, I, I absolutely love this team. I was right, and I'm so happy that they get a chance to play Alabama, who is right now in the midst of another turmoil because yeah. they have about 11 players at this very moment in the portal. Uh, there's a lot of change going on for Nick Saban. That group. And, so and, I and you know, you know, K-State's been motivated, right? You know, they're going to be motivated. Oh, yeah. And you, you mentioned, you mentioned Deuce, like another one of those guys that, you know, I, the one guy I feel like I did not take granted for granted was Brees Hall. Um, I, I never felt like I was taking him for granted. And I don't think Deuce, they're obviously different kind of runners. I don't think Deuce is as good as Brees Hall. I actually think Brees Hall is like a, like generational type running back talent. I, I agree. I hope I hope he can come back and be good. It's funny because I don't, you never watch Brees and you never like, Oh, this, you know, like the, everything physically just, you know, is crazy. You watch him run. You're like, he's just really good at running the football and understands all of it. And all that makes sense to him, finding the end zone, short yardage, breaking off big runs. He gets the whole thing. Deuce is just, he's a, he's a different kind of player. And I thought the one thing, Robbie, I know he had two catches, but I thought the way they used him out wide, like, you could tell TCU's defense was always scrambling to figure out how to account for him wherever he was. And they'll put him in that slot. Sometimes he wasn't even the first guy in the slot. He'd be the second guy in the slot, you know, the kind of, you know, inside guy. And then there's two more guys, you know, three, throwing three wide, you go, you know, the, uh, the long part of the field. He'd be like the second guy in there. And um, I, yeah, it's just like, it just, the, you know, the Swiss Army knife, just a weapon. And the way he's able to, you know, he does, he does a good job using his, his stature to his, um, advantage with number one, how low he gets. He runs with exceptional pad level, right? It's why we saw, I think there was a, the targeting call that was taken back on him. It's like when you have a guy who's that short, who runs with such a good pad level, like the only way to get to him is almost like to bend completely over like a 90 degree angle to hit him. And also way he hides himself, right? He does a good job, like kind of hiding himself behind the line, using that pad level and then hitting that gap, hitting that hole and then making that next cut, the vision, you know, he's just, He's a great, he's an exceptional uh, player. He just happens to be, you know, he just happens to be a little bit shorter. You know, that's, that's just the thing about him. And he's, you know, he's, um, he's just happens to be a little bit shorter, but like he understands how to play the position really, really well. And I think also the same way Brees did. Um, I think like they're obviously different players. I think just Brees to me, it's just, I, I'm not sure if I can put my finger on it. He's like the best running back I've ever watched, especially now this season's kind of solidified it more for me. 
to see how badly they run the football. Oh, against yeah. the, some of what's been the same offensive line for them. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. I want to talk about Chris Kleiman and the job mm-hmm. that he's done so far. Um, I think a lot of Kansas state fans in the beginning did not know about him or the hire and then quick to, you know, get on him. And then there was a lot of bumps throughout like his time here. I remember during the COVID year, like, there's basically like a team uprising and a lot of it had to do with the issue of race and a lot of things happen. And like, you see a lot of players go into the portal. And then like we were talking to Chris Kleiman uh, like last year about like, how are, how are you using the portal and team management? And, like how are you managing your roster? And he was like, out of the 25 spots, I want to use 20 or 20 to 15 on high school recruiting and the rest plugging holes through the transfer portal. And I feel like this season shows how you can blend both really well together. There are so many players on this team who have risen and stayed through Chris Kleiman, through all of these things, fought through, developed, had a lot of success. And then when he needed a position and he saw a player that fit their program, he got it. Cade Warner was so big for them this entire season at the wide receiver position. Like he was huge for them. You have Julius Brents, who was at Iowa two years ago. How big was he for them? There were so many players on this team that he took in that fit so correctly, and it all came to this moment where Kansas State cannot win a Big 12. I I think he has kind of found the formula of how to succeed in college football, having a great blend of development, but also getting proven good, kind of under-the-radar players in the portal to fit what you're doing. Chris Kleiman, I mean, like, when we think of the best coaches in the league now, he has to be there. Like, I think it's Sonny Dykes. I think it's Mike Gundy. I think it's Dave Aranda. I think it's Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold. Like, it's, I think right now those are, like, the coaches I would be the most happy with. And they, obviously we're having some new ones coming in the Big right. 12, but those, the, we got a great group of coaches in this league. Yeah, it's it's an exciting group. I think what's interesting, what's interesting about this group is I am not positive – how many great coaches are in the group? Like, I love the collection of coaches. I'm wondering how many of them are great coaches. Like, I think I think Mike Dun- Mike Gundy's a great coach. I don't know if he is Mike- a great coach. I don't know, I don't know if-, if he's national championship winning coach, but like he's right. he's a good coach. For and I'm wondering has. like how the new age of college football once again as it continues to change. Like, does he make kind of the early Jay Wrightish departure or not? It's just kind of my. I know he'll keep wanting to coach, but like, you know, things are changing. I'm not sure he needs, he's changing with them, uh, which we'll see if that works or not, but it's just like a really awesome group. Right. I mean, you know, you're going to bring in Gus Malzahn and obviously Dana Holgerson has been here before. I think he's going to keep his job. Right. You're going to bring in Kalani Sataki. Like it's just a, it's just a group of coaches where any one year, Robbie, if, you know, I'm not saying they're all great as it is, but like if any of these coaches we talked about win 10, 11, 12 games, are we going to be surprised anymore? No, it's no, it's, it's not. And I, I think once again, we've seen it this year, Chris Kleiman right there in that group. So uh, this Would kind you of have has- Chris Kleiman over Dave Aranda. He's proven he could win at North Dakota state and now he won a big 12 title. Yeah. Would you- yeah. I feel, I feel pretty comfortable putting Chris Kleiman. Over Dave. I mean like not, and, and I'm not saying the gap is big cause I'm comfortable doing it, but right. you know, it turned the leg up on experience. Like, because I think before the year, everyone thought Dave Aranda, including myself, was one of the best head coaches in the league. He still is. But now I yeah. think it's time to like finally give Chris Kleiman, okay, we should have seen this, that you've won before and you can win at a program. Like right. This. Well, and Dave, 
Dave is Dave Rand is still handling the like ups and downs part of it, right? Like, okay, when do you when you do the two win season, then you go to the twelve win season, then you go to the six win season, like what does that kind of look like where it's a, you know, up a little bit down, you know, kind mm-hmm. of trajectory up again. Because now like, he's gonna be playing with players that he recruited. Right. He's, he's all, yeah, he's Matt, all his guys. Matt now, Rule right. players. So now he has to come to the stage where it's his guys. Right. It's gonna be interesting to see. Uh all right, Robbie. And it's also time now really for basketball season. I mean, you know, I, I know it's it's big for the league and it's big for me. This weekend, Missouri, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you're going to have all the kind of uh, all kinds of basketball content and goodies for us. Where can people find you and your podcast? Yep. You can follow me on Twitter at the Triano kid for basic big 12 tweets, Kansas state, you know, publicity basically. Uh, and if you see anything about a tattoo, just ignore it, just ignore it and keep on Click on it. See, harass him. He, yeah. owes, he owes us a tattoo is what he does. He owes us a tattoo. Um, and if you love Big 12 basketball, at Midwest M, at MW underscore Madness 12, the Midwest Madness podcast, all things Big 12 hoops. Now the football season's over, going back into it, devoting my time to it because it's time and I can't bury my head in the sand anymore. So uh, I, this, has been, this has been an amazing football season. I think it's one of my favorites to cover, and it just shows how awesome the league is uh, moving forward. This this year really, I think if you're not buying stock in this league, you're kind of dumb because this league is going up. It's up. It's up. All right, Robbie. Appreciate your time as always, man. We'll talk to you next week. Yep.